We'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're continuing, of course, our study of Paul's letter to Timothy. We're almost through. We're toward the end. Paul, of course, is writing to Timothy to, so that he would stand strong, that he would fulfill his ministry. He's given instructions not only to Timothy, but to the church at Ephesus. That's where Timothy is at this time. In this final section of the letter, Paul's going to deal with a subject that is vital for all of us. And what he's going to do, and if you look here, it's, it's going to be money possessions, and a lifestyle. That's really the issues that he's going to talk about. And as we look at it, we're going to see several other things. We're going to see tied in there the whole idea of contentment, materialism, righteousness, how we live. These are areas that affect us, that affect our growth. How does all this fit together? We're going to see some powerful truths that can change our lives. Now, as we near the end of the letter, he's going to deal with these subjects that really can make or break believers because our attitude in these areas is going to determine several things. First of all, it's going to determine whether we're going to live a life glorified to God or that we're going to live a life glorifying self. See, we can live a life glorifying God. That's the whole idea of contentment and growth in that way. Or we can live a life glorifying self, and that's materialism. And uh, the goal this morning, I hope, as we study this, is that God's Word will inform us and challenge us as we seek to, to live for Christ. Well, let me begin with this. You realize that, and this is, this is several years ago, so it may even be different now, but they were saying that the average American several years ago saw about 300 advertisements per day. I think it's more than that now with the computers and the cell phones and the way things just flash us all the time. The point of these ads and these advertisements is you can't live without this. They produce dissatisfaction. You say, i got to have that. I just saw that. i, I got to have that. I want that. What happens many times is we do become dissatisfied. We become dissatisfied with ourselves. We become discontent. And uh, when we find that we want things, we will always be dissatisfied. This morning's passage, Paul is going to deal with the aspect of contentment. He's going to talk about being content and how how to be content and that kind of things. We'll get a lot more details on that as we go through the whole passage. But sometimes when we think about things, we say this, you know, if I just... If I just had that, or if I just had a little bit more, in fact, if we all thought about money, and you said, well, you know, if I just, I just had some more money, I'd be okay. And they asked J. Paul Getty, who is at one time the richest man in the world, and they said to him, how much does it take to satisfy a person? And he said, well, just a little bit more than you have. That'll satisfy you. Well, as we begin this morning, I want you to think about two areas that are directly in opposition. One is contentment. The other is materialism. Now, when you think about contentment, contentment is satisfaction, resting, trusting God in what you have and what all of these different things. That's what contentment is. Now, materialism is actually the desire for more. Now, when we talk about things, there's nothing wrong with things. God has given us things. In fact, I'm going to bring this out just a little bit. The truth is we are the richest people in the world. You know, you look around and you say, well, I'm a college student, I don't have anything, or I'm a, a family and we're just starting out, and we say we don't have anything. But let me tell you, you compare us to any other place in the world, every one of us in this room are wealthy people. We're rich. That's why when we get down to the passage later on in, in verse 17, it'll say, instruct those who are rich in this present world, that's us. And so when we think about contentment and materialism, there are two opposite deals. There's the idea of being content and resting in what God has given to us and the idea of desiring more. And as I said, there's nothing wrong with things. God has chosen to give us a lot of things. It has to do with our attitude and those kind of things. Our world is pulled by materialism. The truth is this, that the world doesn't have Jesus Christ. And the world seeks to fill the void of no relationship with God by adding things. That's what the world tries to do. There's an emptiness in people, and so they say, I've got to get this, and I've got to get this. Theodore Roosevelt said this many years ago, and he said this, The thing that will destroy America are peace at any price, prosperity at any cost, 
safety first and not duty, the love of soft living, and get-rich theories of life. That's what he said years ago. It's still the same true today. We see it in our culture. What about us as believers? Are we different? Prof. Hendricks said this. He was the professor at Dallas Seminary who I just love. He's, He's still alive, still teaching, been there 60 years teaching. He said this, so many Christians have so little impact because we look the same as the world. Kenneth Kaiser was the um, editor of Christianity Today. He wrote this. He says, and it's a little bit long, but listen to what he says. He says, the most serious problem facing today's church is materialism. Materialism not as a philosophical theory, but as a way of life. Serious Christians will never admit their commitment to materialism, but to profess Christianity and then follow a materialistic lifestyle does not appear to be observed. In fact, it seems to be the normal church life. And is indeed respectable. Are you not caught up in the materialism? Roger Hull, who was the, he's, he's passed away, he was the president of Mutual of New York, said this. I believe the greatest danger we face in America is the casual Christian. The problem is people who profess faith in Christ and then live as though God is non-existent. He says, I'm concerned about evangelicals who have embraced the secular way of life, materialism, the love of money. That's where the danger is in America. Where do you and I fit in? What is it for us? Is it contentment? That we're satisfied with what we have? We have the proper view of things. We see things from the eternal view rather than the temporal view. Or is it materialism, which is the pull, the subtle pull to want more and more and more? As we get into this passage, Paul's going to deal with that issue. Let me do this. Let me Starting about verse 6 and going through verse 19 is a section dealing with this. Let me break it down for you. Verses 6 through 10 is what we're going to look at this morning. He deals with contentment, attitude, and the whole idea of lack of contentment. He then, in verses 11 through 16, is going to talk about instruction for godliness and contentment, things we can do to live a contented and holy life for God. We'll see that next week. And then he's going to talk about riches and ministry in verses 17, 18, and 19. And he's going to talk about how should we use our riches because we're all rich. How do we use them? We'll see how this fits together. We want to allow the Word of God to change us. It is so easy. You've heard me say many times, if you're not consciously being transformed by the Word of God, you are unconsciously being conformed to this world. And that's what's happened to us. Because a lot of us is like, I don't think I'm materialistic. You know, I used to say, I don't care anything about material possessions as long as I have them. Right? I mean, that's what we think. That's how we look at life. We say, you know, I don't think I'm into that. And yet, we are into that. And so we're slowly being conformed to this if we're not careful. So we want to allow the Word of God to change us and so that we won't be controlled by things, but we'll use what God has given us for His glory. Well, let's, let's talk about contentment for just a second. I put Philippians 4.11 up there for just a second because that's where Paul writes in Philippians. He says, I've learned to be content. I want you to understand contentment is not natural. It's not natural because the natural pull is to not be content. The flesh says, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this. We live in a fallen world which affects our flesh. To be content goes against the natural, what, what is natural in all of us. That's why as a believer, we're a new creation in Christ, and we've got to be able to deal with that. The key is the attitude toward things. If you remember last time when we finished and we ended at verse 5, we talked about those false teachers who thought that godliness was a means of, of gain. And what they were saying there is that if they, if they try to do something with religion, that's how they put it, that that's going to make them rich. They thought that doing religion would make them money. We know that there are people today that they're out there everywhere thinking that if they can get involved in, 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 in people and, and, and religion, that they'll make money. And they are. They are making money. 
Listen, I've seen this in ministry as a whole, that for some reason, many people in ministry think that people ought to give them things because they're in ministry. I'm a pastor. You ought to give me stuff. I'm, I'm in ministry. I'm working hard. You ought to give me things. There's that mentality among a lot of people in ministry. There's that mentality that we saw last week about people who we call the false teachers in this passage who are trying to use religion to make money. And they're making money. And so Paul is going to talk about this. And we're going to see, what do we do about this? I mean, how do we look at godliness, as we call it? Let me break down the passage for you, 6 through 10. He's going to talk about godliness with contentment. See, that's the key. And then we're going to look at verses 7 and 8, that God supplies. All we have comes from God, verse 7. All we need comes from God, verse 8. And then we're going to see the danger of materialism. There's two things that stand out, the desire to be rich and the love of money. And he'll talk about it. We'll go through this very quickly. It's, it's really, the whole section is pretty tough because it deals with, with what affects us day in and day out in a country as rich as we are. I said a while ago that you can take the poorest people in our country and we're rich anywhere else. So let's look at it. He starts with the whole idea of, and making a contrast, look at verse 6. It starts, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. He just said that there were some people who thought godliness was a way of making money. He goes on to say, but godliness actually is a means of great gain. Now, he's not talking about material gain. He's talking about spiritual gain. Godliness does not bring about financial gain. It's supposed to bring spiritual gain. You remember we talked about that we're not in ministry to make money. We're in ministry to make disciples. We talked about that last week. So when he says that, by the way, godliness actually is a means of great gain. That's a spiritual gain. The great gain is resting in God and his provisions and his protection and trusting him. Notice how he ends the verse, though. Godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment 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 is that state of mind in which we rest in god independent of what our circumstances are because there can be things going great and there can be things going bad and contentment is we trust and rest god regardless of what's going on it's a satisfaction in trusting our god and savior now he says in verse six that godliness is a gain it's a gain spiritually, but it's got to be accompanied by contentment. And now he's going to deal with that issue of contentment. And there are two things that will help us. In verse 7, he says this, that all we have comes from God. And in verse 8, he says all we need comes from God. So I want you to see this, that all we have comes from God. That's going to be verse 7. And all we need comes from God. That's why we can be content. So let's look at verse 7, which is all we have comes from God. Notice what he says. For we brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. Now, the truth is, when we came to this world, we brought in nothing. And when we go out of this world, we take away nothing. Listen, when you were born, you came into this world with nothing. You didn't even have any clothes, right? You came to this world with nothing. And guess what? When you're going out of this world, you're not taking one thing with you. So you understand that everything you have comes from God. Everything you have is coming when you brought God let you come into this world. And as you go through this time of life, he's going to supply things for you. He's going to give you things. Everything you have comes from God. Job said in Job 1.21, he said, naked I came into the world and naked I leave. And that is true. Everything we have comes from God. He is the one that supplies every need. He is the one that gives us what we need. So everything we have comes from God. Now, there's two things to think about things, okay? Number one, they are temporary, and then A, A and B, and B, wisely use these things for the glory of God. You understand that things are temporary. Let's look at that first. Things are temporary in two ways. They're temporary because you won't have them 
you, you didn't have them before you got here, you won't take them with you. They're temporary in that sense that only you have things while you're in this life. That's why the Philippians 3, 20 talks about our citizenship is in heaven. Listen, uh, this is not our home. We're just passing through. Our, he- our home is in heaven. And things are temporary. And they're temporary in two ways. One is that we just pass through. The second is they don't last. You can go buy something tomorrow. And you can say, "This is, boy, this is what I want. This is wonderful. This is what I get. Two years later, you may not even know where the thing is. It may break right off. I mean, they're just temporary things. We are just passing through this world. Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. I read the story about a man. He went to Poland to visit a famous rabbi. He had heard about him. So he went to his home, and when he went to the home, there were boxes and books. There was no furniture whatsoever. So this rabbi was living in this place with these boxes full of books. And so when the man came into the apartment, he looked at the rabbi, and he said, uh, Rabbi, where's your furniture? And the rabbi looked at him and said, where's your furniture? And he said, well, I'm, I'm just visiting here. He said, me too. I'm just visiting here. We're only passing through, right? Everything you have comes from God. It's all temporary. There's a second thing is we want to wisely use things for the glory of God. Everything you have comes from God, and he wants you to use it for his glory. We're to do that. I have a couple of verses here. 1 Corinthians 4.2 talks about being wise stewards and that we're to be found faithful. And 1 Corinthians 4.7 raises a question. What do you have that God didn't give you? The answer is nothing. Everything you have, God gives you. So you realize that everything you have is actually been given to you by God to use for his glory. It's called stewardship. They're really not our things. They're on loan from God to be used for his glory. Whether it's your house, your car, your time, your money, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, possessions, all used for the glory of God. You've heard me say this many times. People will say things like, I love your office, JB, or I like your computer, JB, I like your desk. That's not my desk. That's not my office. It's not my computer. It doesn't belong to me. I get to use them. It actually belongs to you. It belongs to this body of believers. And you've said to me, while you're here passing through, you get to use that office, you get to use those chairs, you get to use that desk. But see, I can't say that's my computer because this doesn't belong to me. And while we're on this earth, we can't say that's my car, my house, my clothes, my time because it's actually been loaned to us from God. It actually belongs to him. And he says, I put you on this earth and I have given you these things to use for my glory. So everything that we have comes to us from God and they're temporary and we're to bring glory to God in all of these things. You know, they always say the grass looks greener on the other side, but I bet the water bill's higher too. You know, I mean, think about it, right? <laughs> we want to pull and scrape and grab and say, I want this, I want this, I want this. God says, look, well, everything you have comes from me, and you're to use it for my glory. And just remember, it's temporary. It doesn't last. It doesn't last because you're just passing through, and, just, and it doesn't last because it breaks. It doesn't last because it wears out. I remember Ken Shepard used to say that all, every garage sale is full of things that people thought a couple of years earlier they just had to have. And now they got it for a nickel. Please take it off our hands, right? That's the way it is. But the second thing, not only everything we have comes from God, but number two is all that we need comes from God. Notice verse 8. If we have food and covering with these things, we shall be content. He says if you've got food and covering, which is like clothing and shelter, the idea of food, clothes, shelter, and all that. He says if you got that, be content. In fact, the way it's written in the Greek, it's an imperative. You will be content. You're supposed to be content. 
Be content with this. You know, if, if, if we just barely had a place to live, and if we just barely had enough food, and if we just barely had enough clothes, we could say, well, this verse says if I just barely got all this, I should be content. But you know, not one of us in this room just barely have any clothes and just barely have any food. We got ready to go to church and you go to the closet and you go, let's say, what am I gonna, what am I gonna wear today? What shoes, what shoes am I gonna wear? Let's say of the 19 pair I have. What am I gonna wear? What about eating out? Are we gonna eat out? Oh boy, that was so much. I couldn't eat it. We don't barely have enough of anything. We have so much of everything. And he says, listen, if you got food and clothing, you should be content. I want to show you one thing. Hold your, hold your place right there and turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Just a couple of pages back toward the front of your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. I want to see what Paul wrote about this. Over here to the church at Philippi. And he's talking about his life. We quoted this verse earlier, but I want you to see verses 11 and 12 of Philippians chapter 4. Just a few pages back toward the front of your Bible. Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 11. Here's what Paul says. Not that I speak from want... For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Now, the reason he said that, they had just sent a gift to him. He's in prison, and the church at Philippi sent a gift to him. We're not sure what it was, whether it was food or clothes or, or whatever it was. They sent it to Paul, and Paul wanted to know, listen, thank you for the gift, but not that I speak from want. Why? Because I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Now, notice, it's something he had to learn to do. It wasn't natural. I learned to be content whatever circumstance I am. Notice, I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to get along if I don't have hardly anything. And I also know how to live in prosperity when I have a whole bunch. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of being filled, going hungry, having abundance, suffering need. He says, I've learned how to live because see, I trust God regardless of whether I got a lot or whether I got a little. God gives us what we need in the right time, in the right way. He's in control. Rest in Him. Look down at Philippians 4, verse 19. My God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God supplies everything we need. Remember, everything we have comes from God. Everything we need comes from God. Go back to 1 Timothy, again, chapter 6. He says, we have food and covering with these. Be content. You may say this, I want it. I want it. Well, remember that it's temporary. We're just passing through. And if you want it and you get it, use it for his glory. You may say, I need it. I guarantee you, if you need it, God will give it to you. Because he says he'll supply all your needs. How do you and I view things? Are we content? Realize that everything we have comes from God. Everything we need comes from God. Now, from here, quickly he talks about two issues, two problems. Because in the same way at that time, they dealt with issues, the same issues we deal with now, and it's the whole idea of materialism. And he gives us two issues to deal with. The danger of materialism is the desire to get rich and the love of money. 
And let's see what he says. Look at verse 9, because he's going to talk about in verse 9 the desire to get rich. Notice he says, But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. He says there are some people, they have a lack of contentment. They have a desire to get rich. That's the idea of more and more and more. And the truth, the more you have, the more you're responsible for. The more you have, the more that breaks. The more you have, the more that you've got to deal with. The more you have, the more you want. A college student came to see me about 10 years ago. I'll never forget it. Came into my office. It was toward about the same time of year. He's about to graduate. So he came in and I started talking. I said, now tell me what, you're going to graduate? Yeah, yeah. I said, what are you going to do? And he said, I hadn't decided exactly what, you're gonna, what I'm going to do. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I'll tell you what I want. I said, what do you want? And he says, my goal in life is to be rich. I said, really? He said, yeah, my goal is to be rich. I said, you will be miserable. I said, you'll be miserable. If your goal in life is to be rich, you'll be miserable because riches never satisfy. In fact, the more you have, the more you want. The more you have, the more breaks. The more you have, the more you're responsible for. If your goal in life is to be rich, you will be miserable. I hope none of you, none of you have your goal in life to be rich. Look what he says about it. For those who want to get rich. Now, technically speaking, we're already rich. But... And you look at your life, you say, well, I'm not rich enough. I want to be rich, rich, right? If that's your goal, look what he says. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Three things. The first one is temptation. He says, if you want to get rich, you fall into a temptation. You know what the temptation is? Temptation is just to have more and more and more and more. And it never stops because it's never satisfied because you got this and then there's a new one comes out and then there's a newer one comes out and then there's a better one comes out and you get this computer and there's a better computer and you get this car and there's a better car and you get these clothes and there's better clothes. Nothing ever stops. It's just more and more and more and more and they never satisfy. Never satisfies. You know in your life things that you thought you just had to have, and if you ever got it, you'd be okay. You get it, and it's not very long after that. It's okay. And now you want something else. Things never satisfy. He says, those who want to get rich get into this temptation, this temptation for more and more and more and more. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says, the more you have, the more you want. So be careful. He says there's a second thing, not only is it a temptation, but there's a snare. Notice what he says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. You know what the snare is? The snare is actually thinking these things belong to you. The snare is saying, this is mine. It's not yours, remember? It belongs to God and you're just a steward and you're just passing through and it's all temporary and everything you have comes from God and everything that you need comes from God and he's saying, here, just use this for a while. We can't say, this is mine. No, it's not. I had a friend who said he had an uncle who, who buys on the lay-awake plan. Not the lay-away plan. He lays awake at night trying to figure out how to pay for it. That happens sometimes. This word here actually has an idea of a trap. When it says a snare, it's a snare because it traps you. You get trapped in the thinking that these things really are yours. This is my computer. No, it's not. It's God's computer. He's letting you use it. You're to use it for His glory because everything you have comes from Him. Everything you need comes from Him. And it's a temporary thing. And He says, you use it while you're here and use it for my glory. It's not your computer. That's what we have to start thinking. And see, those who want to get rich, we fall in this temptation of wanting more and more and more. We have this snare of thinking these things actually belong to us. And then there's the third thing, which is foolish and harmful desires. Notice, He said... A snare and many foolish and harmful desires. The foolish and harmful desires is that you begin to desire things more than God. 
See, the truth is you can't love God and money at the same time. Jesus is one that said that. You can't love them both. And the, the, the evil and foolish, you know, foolish and harmful desire is that you begin to love things more than God. You begin to want these things. So we've got to be very careful because there's the temptation to want more and more and more. There is the trap to think that these things are ours. And then there's the desire to have these things rather than God. And you've got to be real careful because we live in a country that is so rich. We've got so more of everything. I just thought about it the other day. I remember Jean, was, we were shopping and she said, go, go get some, some cereal. And I walked in. I don't go to the grocery store a lot. Uh, and, and I looked. And, I mean, there was so much cereal. I, I didn't know. I mean, there was a whole thing of cereal. You just walk down the aisle. It's just cereal. How do you know which one to get, right? We've got millions of cereal. And that's just cereal. Try applesauce. They got that too. I mean, it's just there, right? We got everything. People begin to love things more than they love God. He says, if you want to get rich, there's a temptation that you want more and more and more. There's a snare that you actually think the things you have are yours. And there's the desire that you want these things more than God. Notice what he says, he says that evil, a foolish and harmful desire which plunge men into ruin and destruction. The word plunge means to drown. And the idea of ruin and destruction, it means it's over. Anytime you build your life on temporary things, you can never drown on it. You remember the parable? If you build your, the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock, you build your house on the rock, that's Jesus Christ. You build your house on the sand, that's stuff. It'll be gone. I've told this story before. I had a friend. He lived in Borger, Texas. And he was a very wealthy man. He had a home in Borger. He had a home in Amarillo. He had a home in New Mexico. He had a home in Los Angeles. He had a home on the East Coast. And he had a home near Philadelphia. He had six houses. They were all his houses. And he lived in them at different times. In the home in Amarillo, he had eight cars. One of them was a Jaguar. I got to ride in it. It was fast. But... uh he had income monthly, $1 million a month from some oil wells that he had. In one year time period, he lost every bit of it. First Timothy chapter 6 says, Do not, those who are rich, do not put your hope on the uncertainty of riches. It's because when you love things and you start thinking these things are yours and you start wanting more and more and you start loving them more than God, that plunges you into ruin and destruction. And let me quickly give you the last thing, and that's the love of money. That's what verse 10, he says, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The love of money. Money is not bad in itself. It's the love of money which is the root of all sorts of evil. You know, people say money talks. You know what my money says? My money says goodbye. How about yours, right? Goodbye, because money talks. The love of money. Many of you remember, some of you, not hardly very many of you in this group will probably remember Jack Benny. He was a comedian uh, in the 1950s. He was known for being a tightwad. In real life, he gave away everything. He was a very generous man, but he played a part of always being a tightwad. And there was a, a skit one time when he was walking, and a mugger came up to him and put the gun up to him and said, Your money or your life? And, of course, he did this. He stood there for the longest time, and the guy said, Hurry up! And the guy says, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Because, you know, luck, he loved his money, but he didn't. But the love of money will destroy you. 
He says, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. Some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs and griefs. Hebrews 13.5, let your character be free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. You notice what it says? When you begin to love money, you will wander away from the faith. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation. That means you move away from the truths of the Word of God. That if you as a Christian, you've lived by the Scripture, that you start loving money and you start wanting to be on that, oftentimes it says you will wander away from the faith. You'll move away from the truths of God's Word. You'll quit living according to the Scripture. It goes on to say, and you pierce yourselves with many griefs. That word literally means you stab yourself. You live a life of grief. Because see, money can't satisfy. Things can't satisfy. It never does. Do you desire to be rich? Do you love money? Do you love things? The things of this world can never satisfy you. Everything you have comes from God. Everything you need comes from God. It's all for His glory. It's temporary. Use it while you're here. But don't love it and don't go after it to say, that's what I want. He may choose to make you rich even as far as our country is concerned. If He does, use it for His glory. Look at this. Next slide. If we can. Empty is the life filled with nothing but things. Howard Hendricks, I was in a Bible study with him, and he told this story one time. He said he was talking to a man who was very, very wealthy. And he said to him, he said, how do you keep from being consumed by materialism? And he answered, he said, my parents taught me that everything in our home is either an idol or a tool. I either worship it or I use it. Take what you have. Don't worship it because you can't love God and money at the same time. Don't worship it. Use it as a tool. We sing about contentment and that we're just passing through and what we have and what we need comes from God. It's on loan from Him. We're to use it for His glory. We've seen some problems that uh, you desire to be rich and you love money and it can be your downfall. So let me give you some applications quickly, and that is first examine our lives in regard to material things. Think about it. And here's the first question. Are we content? Are we content? How do we view things? Do we see things as, as, as temporal? Do we look to the eternal? Do we see that everything we have comes from God and everything that we need comes from God? And we realize that, uh, that God knows what's best for us and he takes care of us and that we rest in God. That's contentment. Second question really is how do you view material things? Do we view them as temporal and that we're just passing through. And that everything is from God and we're to use it for His glory. And it's just on loan, whether it's money or homes or possessions or, or anything. Or have we fallen, next one, have we fallen into the wrong thinking? Because what is that wrong thinking? That's the desire to be rich. That's the love of money. The temptation is there that, that, that you want more and more and more. And the trap is that you think they're yours. And the desire is that you become to love that stuff more than you love God. And the end result is you destroy your life. Look at this statement right here. Discontentment makes rich men poor. And contentment makes poor men rich. May we realize that all we have comes from God. All that we need comes from God. Don't get caught up in materialism. Love God and use things. Use what God has given us for His glory. Obey the Word. And don't get caught up into wanting to be rich and loving money because it will destroy your life. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Help us, Lord, as we examine our lives and we think about material things. And Lord, we just want to be content. We want to realize everything we have comes from you and everything that, that we need comes from you and you take care of us. And Lord, we see things as temporal and they're just to be used for your glory. And Lord, we don't want to get caught up into money and materialism. We don't want to love things and, and we, uh, we don't want to, want to be rich in that way. Lord, we know that you take care of us and whatever we need, you will give us. And Lord, we know that so oftentimes you give us what we want because you're such a great God. You just take care of us all the time. Lord, may we live in such a way that you get all the honor and the glory. Thank you for everything that you've given us. May we use that for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.